Hey, what's up, fam? It's Coach Josh. I want to officially welcome you all out to another course um, of the Purpose of Singleness course. I hope this uh, the previous videos have been a blessing to you. I hope you all are getting something out of it. I'm excited about today's discussion because we're going to be talking about self-worth and singleness, how we can build our self-confidence and our confidence in Christ, and how we can uh, better understand on how we can distribute our worth out here in the marketplace or in just various places of life. So if you're watching this, uh, for the uh, not live because a lot of people are coming in right now. But if you're watching this later or listen to this later on my podcast, I want to say thank you all so much for listening, for watching, for being a subscriber to my channel. I hope that you are blessed by this. Um, um, if you're not a subscriber yet, and you like, yo, I like the way this guy um spit and I like the way he uh, um um um. Uh, relays the word of God and relays um, uh, valuable points about life, feel free to subscribe. I would love uh, to um, have you part of my community here online and to be your coach online. But for those who's watching me live, come on in, like, share, comment, let's engage, get into the comment section. Make sure you go um, to um, the link in the description box below, um, the website where you can actually download today's worksheet. And for those who's already a part of my course, we have over a thousand plus people a part of our uh, purpose this course. So if you, you y'all already got the email, but go ahead and download this worksheet because I do believe that what we're going to talk about today is going to set a lot of people free and impact a lot of people. Sugar Mama, what's going on? Hey, Coach, much love from Tulsa. Back with my old co uh, college stomping ground. Thank you for watching. Joshua, fam, I'll get to your questions towards the end, fam. So please, please rock with me, and I'll try to get to your questions soon. But as everyone is coming in, I want to make sure I let everyone know about my For Doers Only Patreon. For those who want a life coach, want me to coach you in regards to your purpose, help you to coach you in regards to your creative endeavors, or just coach you, period. I want to make sure that um, you are a part of my community there. So make sure you check out the link in the description box below for my For Doers Only uh, um, Patreon, and I would love to serve you there. But let's get right into our main points. I think I covered everything that's in the beginning. Let's get to our points. Um, today, we're going to be talking about self-worth and singleness. We're going to really be talking about the importance of our worth being in God. And, and I got these notes again late this evening. And so I, it's fresh on my heart, but I look forward to sharing it nonetheless. But let's get right into our main thought. The main thought is this. No matter what happens in your life, your worth or value should never be altered. Our main thought for today's discussion is that no matter what happens in your life, your worth or value should never be altered. Now, what does that mean? It means that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you're going through, never allow it to alter or never allow it to uh, determine your worth. A lot of young people that I life coach at my school, that I counsel at my school, I make this point very vivid for them. I want them to fully understand it doesn't matter what happened in their upbringing. It doesn't matter what's happening in their life right now. That doesn't determine their worth. Because worth is not measured by what happened. Your worth is measured by who created you. But before I get into that, I want to make sure I read a scripture um, that I have here. So turn me your Bibles to Psalms 139, 13 through 18. One of my favorite scriptures um, to share with others. And I hope it's a blessing to you. The word of God says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O God. My soul knows it very well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Let's break this down. Let me make sure I share this first so y'all can join this with me. I'm gonna take my notes down and I'm gonna share this verse so that y'all can rock with me before I get into uh, my main points. Let's see what it's saying here. Let's get it, let's get it, let's get it here. Let's scroll up. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. See, many of us, we get so caught up on our outward parts, but not our inward parts. It says, for you formed, you formed my inward parts. That means who you are, the essence of who you are, your purpose, your identity. He formed that. And, and, and a lot of people that I talk to, unfortunately, they allow what happened outside of them to dictate what's valuable inside them. And what oftentimes happened under the layers of all their hurt, abuse, pain is who they are. And many people forfeit who they are because their worth is predicated on what happened to them. But it says, for you formed my inward parts, the parts on the inside, the uniqueness of the, uh, the, the, uh, the way he made you uniquely, the way he developed you, he developed those inward parts. It says, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Let's, let's, let's break it down. You knitted me together in my mother's womb, which means that life began in the womb. That God is the one that's knitting us or knitted us and is knitting kids or uh, babies in their mother's wombs. He's the one creating them. Verse 14 says, I praise you. Praise is essential, family. Praise is, is having the ability to see your situation differently. I praise you for I know I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. The issue is when it comes to our self-worth, when we look in the mirror, we see what someone else has made versus what God has made. And we don't we don't uh, offer ourselves the opportunity to praise him because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully, by definition, means that he made us with uh, with fear. He made us with reverence. He made us in, in taking us time. He fearfully made us. Wonderfully means, wonderfully made means he made us with uniqueness, with a unique awe. It says, wonderful are your works. That doesn't mean we get self uh, uh, consumed with ourselves. We're just saying, God, who you authentically made me to be, wonderful are your works. You did that, God. You did this, God. And what I love about the next verse says, my soul, my soul knows it very well. What does your soul know? I'm not, I haven't even got to my points. I got to the scriptures first, but it says my soul knows it very well. The issue is we don't know in the depths of our soul, our uniqueness and, and our worth. It says my frame, it says my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. So God is saying, or the psalmist here is saying that who I am, the frame of me, that's why I don't get upset about how tall you are or whatever, however God made you. Because when you was being made in secret, he, your frame was not hidden from him. That God is saying that I was the one personally knitting you, creating you and developing you. So your worth should come from me. It says intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them. Meaning that God has a book of you where everything about you was written there. But unfortunately, the world that we live in is trying to pull us away from those chapters. 
It says, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Basically what God's saying, there's a book about you before you was even uh, um, um, in your mother's womb, that there is actually a book of all the thoughts of God, of all the ideas of God, of everything about you already pre-written before you was even created. In your books were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. That's why I love the word of God. It says, um, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in them because I know that before I was even formed in my mother's rooms, my days were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them before there was a day for you, you was those days were already scattered throughout your future already formed for you. When as yet there was none of them. Verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Who cares what other people think about you? Forget your thoughts that you think of yourself. What is God thinking about you? God's thoughts towards you are precious. And how vast is the sum of them? Not only not only are God's thoughts uh, precious, they're vast. God's saying, I think big of you. I, I got big plans for you, big, big opportunities for you. Verse 18 says, if I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. God is saying, I'm with you, family. I wasn't planning on getting into the text first, but we're going to break this text down a little bit later. But 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 that that right there spoke volumes. I think that uh, uh, before anyone can even get to the before we can even get to the points, that alone was a blessing to us. And I thank God for that. Let's pull up our notes here. Let me get to the comments box. I see people talking already. Hey, Vanita, how you doing? Chantel says, hey, coach, finally called live stream. We're glad you're here. Van, uh, Vanita, hey, girl, how you doing? Oh, y'all, oh, y'all, okay, y'all chiming in. But let's get right into our first point. Like I said, our main thought is this, that no matter what happens in your life, your worth or value should never be altered because our worth comes from God. So it doesn't matter what happened uh, yesterday or what is happening happening today. It should never alter our worth in our minds. But let's get to the problem. That's our main thought. So let's hold on to that. Let's get to the problem. So go ahead. and For those who's watching that, go ahead and share this video because I know it's going to be powerful for a lot of people. Make sure you like it. Let's get this video um, out there to as many people as possible so that people can be set free. Now, the problem, many people are settling for things far below their worth. The issue is, is that many people are settling for things far below their worth. Their lack of worthiness is causing them to price themselves less. They're allowing their worth to be dedicated or dictated by something created and not by the creator. Many people are settling for things far below their worth. That means that so many people are literally settling for things below their worth because they're ignorant of it, right? It says their lack of worthiness is causing them to price themselves less, a play on words. Since we're created by God, we are priceless. But unfortunately, when we're dissing ourselves from who we are in Christ, we price ourselves less. I told my students on Wednesday is that um, the creator of a thing dictates the price of a thing. The payment or the price of a thing is determined by the person that created it. Right. And I told my students in chapel on Wednesday, I said, well, if God made us, that determines our value. But I said, let's go a little bit deeper. The blood determines our worth. The price that was willing to be paid for us determines our worth. And the price for our salvation, the price for our fellowship with the father was the blood of his son, Jesus. It took God to die for us to understand our worth. And since we are, are far removed from the payment, 
We allow ourselves um, to be um, priceless from our priceless, right? So when you understand the payment of what it costs for you to have life and for you to have life more abundantly and for you to be able to uh, engage the salvation process and fellowship with the spirit of God, once you remind yourself of that, then you will begin to understand your worth. Let's get right into it. Let's get back into it. It says many people are selling for things far below their worth. Their lack of worthiness is causing the prices of less. That's why I'm so glad about what Jesus did for me, because now I can approach the throne boldly. I can approach the throne of grace boldly because my worthiness is not based upon my merit or my deeds. When God sees me, he sees his blood, the blood of his son spread upon me, which now allows me access because a payment was paid. If I go to an exclusive event that requires a ticket, right? The ticket is what gives me access. I myself may not have uh, um, um, clout, but because I have the ticket, whether they know me or not, whether I'm loved or not, because I have a ticket, I have entrance. Because I have the blood on me, I now have access. So now I'm worthy because of the worth of the blood that was shed. And since his blood is worth enough that one drop can really pay the payment of everyone's sin, even though everybody may not want to go in the process to win, but because the payment has been uh, paid by Christ, I am now worthy. But their lack of worthiness is causing them to price themselves less. When we're ignorant of where our worth comes from, then we'll price ourselves less, below priceless. Right? They're allowing the worth, their worth, let's get to it. Their, uh, their lack of worthiness is causing them to price themselves less. They're causing them, oh, they're allowing their worth to be dictated by something created and not by the creator. That's dangerous. Anytime that we allow our worth to be dictated by something created versus the creator, we'll find ourselves matching that, that created thing and not being e not equal to God, but priced and valued because of God. Next point. Satan wants our worth to be connected to something created or imitated, but never to the one who initiated everything, cause, which will cause us to be easily irritated. Satan wants our worth to be connected to something created. God created a lot of great things, but just because it was created by God doesn't mean our worth is, is, should be based on that. Or he wants our worth to be connected to something imitated. The, the perverted things of God's creation, the imitations of it. He wants our, uh, 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 he wants our worth to be connected to something created or imitated, but never to the one who initiated everything. God is the one that initiated everything. Therefore, he's the uh, uh, originator of our worth. But never to be, let me, let me get my screen big. I can't really read this on the screen. Satan wants our worth to be connected to something created or imitated, but never to the one who initiated everything. God is the originator. And the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. If you want to walk in wisdom in your singleness, if you want to walk in wisdom in your marriage, if you want to walk in wisdom when it comes to your ministry, business or whatever, you, there, you must have reverence in that area. Your level of reverence in an area will determine your level of reach in any area. Your level of uh, reverence in an area will determine the level of wisdom you walk in that area. So what God is saying, man, is when you reverence the one that initiate everything, then how you walk in that thing will be wise. Once again, Satan wants our work to be connected to something created or imitated, but never to the one who initiated everything, causing us to be easily irritated. 
causing us to be easily irritated. Let's go to the next slide. Now, there's three different types of esteems. There are three esteems. There is the inflated esteem, high esteem, and low esteem. Inflated esteem, high esteem, low esteem. So we're going to be talking about self-worth, self-esteem, self-confidence, which all are the same thing, just different types of terms. So when we say esteem, we're talking confidence and worth as well. But there's three types of esteems. There's the inflated esteem, there's the high esteem, and then there's low esteem. Which one do you fall on? You don't have to comment, but process it. Which one do you fall in? Some people got an inflated esteem. Some people's esteem is inflated. They're, they think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. And then they set themselves up for, for depression. They set themselves up for failure. They set themselves up um, to be affected. Because when your esteem has been inflated because your money has inflated or your opportunities have inflated or things around you have inflated, then when those things are burst by the pins of life, then you'll find yourself falling hard to the ground. The second esteem is high esteem. God is the most high. So when we connect to the most high, we have proper high esteem. We see ourselves how we should see ourselves. The last esteem here is low esteem. This is where a lot of people are. They have low self-esteem. Esteem by definition is respect and admiration typically for a person. So your self-esteem is your is self-respect and self-admiration. But proper esteem is based upon self-respect that comes from reverence of God, that comes from honoring God, that comes from admiring him. So the more you respect God, you will begin to respect everything created. Once, when you respect the creator, you will then respect everything created. My level of respect towards God would determine my respect towards my wife. My respect towards God would determine the respect of those that I serve. And the more I admire him and I am in awe of him, the better my esteem is. So how is your self-respect? How is your self-admiration? Because if those things are not rooted in honor and reverence of God and, admir and admiring him and in awe of him, then you won't have proper esteem. Let's get to the next point because I have a lot of points that I want to get to. Now, what affects self-esteem? Let's talk about that. Number one, abuse. Those taking notes, flow with me. And you can also download this worksheet now at lifework.teachable.com under the Purpose Singleness course uh, um, um, chapter or, or lesson 32. Now, what affects self-esteem? Number one, abuse. Abuse by definition is abnormal use. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. But what affects a person's self-esteem is that they've been through some abuse. And now their abuse is determining their worth. Remember what we said before? It doesn't matter what happened or what is happening. We should never allow those things to alter our worth. But abuse, because of abuse in the home or abuse in relationships is now affecting people's self-esteem. Their upbringing, how you were brought up. A lot of our self-esteems have been affected by how we were parented. And because we were parented improperly or abused in those areas, then it affects our self-esteem. Now, we don't see ourselves properly. We only see ourselves based upon how we were brought up or we base our identity or we base our worth based upon what our parents have said or haven't said. 
So it doesn't matter what happened in your upbringing. We still shouldn't, that, even that right there should not affect our self-worth, our worth or esteem. Abandonment. A lot of people's self-esteem is affected because they are, are always alone because people are abandoning them. It doesn't matter who breaks up with you. It doesn't matter who leaves you. It doesn't matter who misinterprets your value. It doesn't affect your value. Let me let me take a pause because I was helping a student earlier about this. I told this student, it don't matter if that young boy breaks up with you. It don't matter if that person walk away from you. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't affect your worth. But it's our perception of our worth that has us price ourselves less. So if your worth is in an individual, if that individual leaves, breaks up with you, then you begin to plummet in worth because you allow that thing to determine your worth. But that is not how God wants it, because it don't matter if a person leaves or cleaves. You know for a fact that God will never leave and your worth is based upon his steadiness, his faithfulness. Let's keep going. But I told that student that 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 like even though that person left your life doesn't should not alter the one that gave you life. Let's keep going. We'll break that down maybe in another video. Performance. What also affects our self-esteem is our performance. I was all talking to another student who was kind of uh, um, uh, who's a perfectionist and her performance is affecting her esteem. It's affecting her 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 actions. Right. Performance. God can care less about how you now. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is we should not allow our value to be in our performance based upon like, I, I have to be a perfectionist. I have to get all A's or I have to get all slays. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to slay everything. I got to be this attractive and all these different things. Because if you don't perform well, then you won't feel well. But you cannot allow your performance to affect your self-esteem. Uh, stressful events. Some people are going through a stressful period of life and it's affecting their self-esteem. But the Bible says, count it all joy. When you go through various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith is producing patience. And when patients have had our perfect work, you will be complete, whole and lacking in nothing. That's why scripture is important so that you can be able to process stressful events. But some people go they're allowing what they're going through right now to determine their worth. Let's keep going. Relational issues. A lot of people, because they're poor in relationships or they have had poor relationships previously, is now affecting is now affecting their self esteem, their self worth. God, that's why our relationship with God should be paramount, because it doesn't matter who wants to sell in the relationships of life with you, they go they will never affect your sale. They will never affect the wind, the spirit of God that's blowing you towards purpose. Relationship is relate on ship. Never get on a ship with someone you don't relate with. Where are you sailing? Are these people dropping the anchor, holding you back? affecting the sale, blowing you back. But you got to be very careful who you allow on your ship because relationship is, do do I relate? That's why it's important. Our relationship with God is important because when we allow the spirit to be emboldened in us and we allow ourselves to walk by the spirit and we're saved by the spirit, sealed by the spirit, we now relate to God again. Let's break that down. In the Garden of Eden, Adam, Eve, and God related. They both were perfect. They weren't equal, but they related. When sin crept in, relationship was broken because God cannot relate to sin. So relationship was broken because there he couldn't relate to us again. 
because he's perfect and now we're imperfect. But because his love and mercy was so strong, he said, because y'all broke relationship, y'all can't, y'all cannot in your own merit fulfill payment. So what God was saying was, he was saying it, it will be the cost of my blood for us to relate again, because the payment of sin will now allow my spirit to be sent within so that now we can now partner to win. Now, when the spirit of God is in us and we're flowing in the sanctification process with that spirit, we begin to relate to God. Right now, justification, right now, I relate to God. I'm a son of God now. We're related. I'm reborn. I'm relating to him. As I allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify me, now we begin to relate in character. We relate in sonship. We relate in relation in family of justification. But sanctification now allows me to relate more in his character. Right. That's why it's important to have a relationship with God first, because when we have a relationship with him first, it affects our relationships. Because now you will say, do you relate to me and God <clears throat> when you uh, about to when a man is pursuing young ladies? Now you'd be able to say, do you relate to us? Do you relate to me and God? Is there any residue in God in you? Because if you don't relate to us, you can't sell with us. Let's keep going. Relational issues is what's affecting people's self-esteem. They allow their worth to be in their relationships. Next, financial troubles. That's self-explanatory. People are so connected to their money that it, when their money is high, they're inflated. When their money is low, they got low self-esteem, right? So financial issues. It don't matter how money goes or comes. It still should not affect your self-worth. Now, let's keep going. Comparisons in regards to surrounding and social media. Comparisons. The Bible says comparing ourselves with ourselves is not wise because we're not wise enough to see the difference in, in how God is working in on, on us. If I compare my life to your life, but I'm unaware of how God is working in your life, then I'll start trying to mimic the methods of God that he's using in your life. But those methods may not uh, be able to work on me because we're so unique and so different. I can't compare my life to you. Because when you compare your life horizontally, you either uh, uh, ascend into pride or you plummet into depression. But when you compare your life vertically, you always focus on improvement and you're in awe that someone so holy is in relationship with you and how he wants to use you. But we can't make comparisons even on social media or our surroundings. I can't compare my pockets with yours. I can't compare my height with yours. I can't compare that stuff because then I'll be distracted in comparison. And social media is huge. See, back in my day, we were comparing ourselves with people that we can see. Social media now broadens us to see a lot more people. and But in life, there was no filters. There may have been filters in our character. We may have tried to alter our, our, our approach with people. But now people are fabricating themselves and, we, and they have lost themselves. But when you compare yourself to other people, you lose sight of your worth in God environment can also affect self-esteem. What environments are you in? Some people are in bad environments and they're allowing themselves to be a product of their environment versus allowing their environment to be a product of them. I love that point. I did not allow myself to be a product of my environment. But yes, I may have grown, grew up in poverty. Yes, I may have grew up in a, a single parent home. Yes, I had a bad, bad environment around my home. My home was great. Mom was great. But I could have allowed the streets to make me street. I could allow greed to make me greedy. You see what I'm saying? But now I live a life where I make my environment a product of me. 
So because my joy is in God and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, no matter where I find myself, the I am a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermometer tells the temperature. A thermostat sets the temperature. Big difference. A thermometer says, this is how the room feels. A thermostat says, the room will feel like me. So when I walk into the room, I set the temperature. That's why the Bible says, weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Because when you come in, you full of joy and you full of empathy. So when you walk into a room, you now set the temperature. Now you know how to empathize with the individuals and connect and then have the power to build them up. But when you're a thermometer, you allow the environment to set your temperature. Now, when you walk into a hostile uh, a climate or you walk into a negative environment, now that negative environment would then determine your, your worth and how you engage. But when you are a thermostat, you can walk in a negative situation and make it positive with your joy. But when you're in a pursuit of happiness, then when the conditions are set, then you settle for the conditions of your environment versus developing the environment based upon the condition of Christ's blood in your life, his salvation for your soul, and your joy in that. But so many people allow their environments to make them the product of that environment. Because now they, they, they're, they're saying, because of this, I'll miss. No, 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 no. We're thermostats, not thermometers. Last but not least, people's opinions. Let's keep going. Never allow the opinions of others to determine your worth. People going to say all kind. Of, I'm going to come back. People going to say all crazy stuff about you, but you got to know what's God's facts about you. What are God's thoughts about you? The Bible says, let's get back to the scripture. It says, how precious to me are your thoughts? Oh God. Oh God is different. God means God supreme. So God, when someone says God, that's saying the supreme judge, the supreme ruler. That means his thoughts about us trumps everybody's thoughts. So when, when we realize how precious the thoughts of God towards us and how vast they are, then what am I going to do? When I know God's thoughts are precious and vast, I'm searching his thoughts. Show me what you think about me, God. Show me what you have for me, God. Show me what you created me for. And then you will begin to feel that abundant life. Then you'll begin to feel that joy that becomes your strength. But when you allow yourself um, to, uh, to uh, be rooted in the opinions of others, then you will die from their rejection. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their opinions. Let's keep going. Now, Let's get to our next. Let's get some definitions. Talk about um, self-worth. Let's break this down. So we're going to get to these points because I got, I got a lot of points coming. Self-worth, we're going to talk about self-worth, self-love, self-care, and self-share. We're going to talk about self-worth, self-love, self-care, and self-share. Self-love leads to self-care. Self-hate leads to self-harm. Remember this. We're going to talk about self-worth leads to self-love. Self-love leads to self-care. Self-care leads to self-share. All right. Self-love leads to self-care. Self-hate leads to self-harm. Let's get to the definition of self-hate. Self-hate by definition is the intense dislike of, is an intense dislike of oneself. Self-hate is the intense dislike of oneself. Now, let's look at this point. Abuse is inevitable to those who don't know their proper use. Abuse, like I said before, is abnormal use. Let's break this down a little bit. Self-hate leads to self-harm. When you don't love yourself, you naturally hate yourself. 
And many people don't even know that they're in self-hate. The hate you give is evidence of self-hate within. That's why when people talk about you, don't, don't fall into their hate of you because you got to have enough understanding to realize that the reason why they hate you is because they hate themselves. And the reason why you spewing hate towards others, jealousy, envy, and all these different components of self-hate is because you hate yourself. And many of us, we hate ourselves because of what we've done to ourselves or what we allowed ourselves to get into. But God said, even that is not even worth you losing your, your, the understanding of your self-worth. And so many people hate themselves. And my question to you is, do you hate yourself or do you love yourself? Because the evidence of the two is, is evident in self-help or uh, self-care and self-harm or self-help and self-harm. We see here, self-love leads to self-care, self-hate leads to self-harm. Is there more care in your life or harm in your life? That would determine what side of the spectrum you fall on. Is there more care in your life? Do you care about yourself? Do you take care of yourself? Do you love yourself accurately? Or do you uh, uh, create more harm in yourself? In your singleness right now, you're, you're causing more harm, addictions, uh, drugs, uh, 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 harming yourself in relationships, knowing the guy is not good for you, knowing the girl is not good for you, but you get into that anyway. That's the fruit of self-hate. Uh, uh, um, participating in certain things that's hurting you, that's a, a fruit of self-hate. That's why self-care leads to self, uh, self-love leads to self-care. Self-hate leads to self-harm. Let's keep going. Let's break this down some more. Self-hate is an intense dislike of oneself. You don't like yourself. I told I tell a lot of young people in the school I work at. I say, I tell them to write on a sheet of paper. Why I write on a sheet of paper for them or they write on the board. I talk about, okay, what do you like about yourself? What you dislike about yourself? And they'll start writing things. And, and sometimes they'll say um, um, certain things about their personality. They'll ser say certain things about um, their figure. They may say stuff about their face or whatnot. And I, I, and when they list all those dislikes, I say, look at those dislikes. And I say, look at them closely. If you don't like those things about yourself, you're basically telling God, you made me worthless. You made you You mismade me, if that's a word. You didn't make me the right way. Listen, I got this big forehead. God made this forehead. When I realized that God made it and gave it to me specifically, then I allowed it to be a part of me. I accepted it. Acceptance has a way of increasing self-worth. When you know that God is the one that made your nose the way it is, all these people in Hollywood, all these people going to these different doctors to alter their bodies, they hate themselves. And now they want to make themselves so visually attractive that they forget that uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Who cares who don't see me handsome? I told a young lady today, I said, my wife sees me handsome because I handsome. You see what I'm saying? Handsomeness is not based upon just looks. It's do I have something to hand over? Do I have a good name to hand her? Do I have something good to hand her? What makes me handsome is what I can hand over. What are you handing over? Beautiful, being beautiful is being you to the full. Being you to your fullness in God is what is real beauty. And what makes you handsome as a man is what you can actually hand over. Do you have something to hand over? That's true handsomeness. That's character. That's 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 uh forward thinking. But so many people they I dislike my nose, I dislike my forehead, I dislike, I just hate my size. God made that. 
So basically you allowing the created things to tell, to make you believe that how the creator created you wasn't correct. But the Bible says he in your mother's womb formed you and you got to accept how he created you. Now the other stuff that's in you, bad habits and stuff, then we got we to gotta toss those things. But when it comes to your physical makeup and how he's made you, he made you for a purpose. And when you in his purpose, oh, I don't have to be handsome to everyone. I don't have to be attractive to any other woman as long as I'm attracted to my woman. <laughs> so I don't care about everyone else that's outside of my purpose as long as I am attracted to the things in my purpose. But the thing is, we're trying to attract things outside of our purpose. God's saying you are attractive enough for the things that I'm going to attract. And in order to attract, you got to subtract. So the reason why we're not attractive enough, quote unquote, in action and in deed, is because we're trying to attract everything that's outside of what God is trying to feed us. We got to understand that I only want to attract what's in my purpose. And even though I may attract things because of my giftings, my talent, I know how to subtract and keep those things out of my life because I know that it's not sent by God. But who cares if, if you overlooked and nobody's pursuing you right now, young lady, that no one, no man is pursuing you. It's because their credit score is not high enough. They, they don't have, they don't have what it takes to, 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 to be connected to you or God is hiding you. I'd rather be hidden for the right things in my life than to be around the wrong things attracting them. You're single for a reason. You're, 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 you're hidden for a reason. And, 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 and there's a reason for every season. And those seasons are there to make you seasoned so that you can preserve the world around you. So who cares if no one's pursuing you or fellas, there's no ladies um, around you right now. Focus. Focus and, and and allow the 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 holistic attractiveness of you draw the right things to you. Let's keep going. But when you get so caught up in comparison, start hating yourself. Let's get it. so abuse is inevitable to those who don't know their proper use. When you don't know your proper use, abuse is inevitable. And we all said that abuse is abnormal use. It's using things inappropriately. Now let's look at usage rate. When you know your proper use and you know uh, your use, then you won't be you won't allow yourself to be abused. It's our ignorance of ourselves that leads us to abusing ourselves or allowing people to abuse us. That's why the usage rates must be in this order. God, you and others. The usage rate. I want God to use me more than I use myself and more than others use me. But if I flip it and I allow other people to use me more than I use myself and more than God use me, then I will inevitably be, be abused because I tell a lot of people, most people that we are trying to associate ourselves with and connect ourselves to are poor at interpreting value. So what happens when two people who hate themselves and don't love themselves come together, abuse is inevitable. So what happens is we end up, we end up in one-sided relationships one-sided situationships and the boat is capsizing because you're the one offering more than the other. A seesaw relationship should be even. It may, it may, it may wiggle a little. It may, it may go up and down a little, 
but it should never be lopsided. If your relationships are lopsided, your friendships are lopsided, then they are not an equal weight. That's why the Bible says do not be unequally yoked with non-believers. Let's take another step. Don't be unequally yoked with believers because not all believers are equally yoked. And the reason why you should not be unequally yoked with anyone is because the uh, uh, the oxen that is yoked together, when the oxen are going forward, if, the, if, if one oxen is stronger than the other, right? then it doesn't hurt the weaker oxen. It hurts the stronger oxen because the stronger oxen is tied by the neck. And as it's pulling the weight of itself and the dead weight of the other person and the carriage, the children, the family, the business, it breaks the neck of the stronger ox. That's why the stronger one in a relationship ends up being the weaker one because the weaker one in the real weak one in a relationship is the leech. It's taken, but it's not partaken. It's taken, but it's not putting in. So now it's lopsided. That's why you got to ask yourself, are we equally yoked? Look at your friend to the left. Look at your friend to the right and ask yourself, are we equally yoked? Look at that man. Look at that woman that you're courting right now and ask yourself, are you equally yoked? Because if you unequally yoke, it will snap your neck. You don't want to be with dead weight. You want to be with equal weight. Dead weight, you have to drag. Equal weight, y'all in step. But when you allow God to use you more in your life, then you begin to grow in your fellowship. God is using you. You're using God. You're using his spirit. You're using the vibes. And he's using you as a vessel. <laughs> You, he's using you, you using the vibes, you, he's using the vessel. Now y'all vibing. And then when you, when it comes to use yourself, you know how to delegate your energy, you know how to delegate your time wisely. And then you will know who should use you or not. I don't mind being used if you know my use. Let's keep going. So who's using you? Is it, is it God first? Then you, then others, or is it others and not the even the other two? Let's keep going. Next point. Oh, uh, how to, oh, I messed the point up there. How to, that was from last week, how to prepare. That was from last week. But let's get into self-worth, the definition of self-worth. The definition of self-worth is the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. Self-esteem or self-respect. But for those who's watching me for the first time, make sure you check out the video before this on how to prepare for God's timing. That's what that how to prepare. I, I missed I missed that detail. Please forgive me. But but check out that video as well. And also check out the book, The Purpose of Singleness. That book right there is where this corresponds from. But self-worth by definition is the sense of one's own own value or worth as a person, self-esteem or self-respect. So self-worth by definition is the sense of one's own value or worth. It's a sense. Do, can't, do you perceive your value and your worth? Perception is key. When I know where my worth comes from, I know I'm worthy. And when I'm worthy, I, de I de delegate my worth appropriately. How do you perceive yourself? I perceive myself first, not as a man, not as a husband, not as a father eventually, not as a minister, not as a counselor, not as a coach, not as a brother, not as anything else. The first thing I sense and perceive first is that I am a child of God. When I know that I am a child of God, then every other title that I hold would be executed properly. 
So self-worth is the sense of one's own worth. But when you allow your sense to only sense this realm, but not sense the most high and sense his love for you and sense his grace for you and sense his mercy for you. And you start sensing and, and, and vibing and allowing uh, the energies from other people and the opinions of other people to now dictate your worth, then you will not find your self-worth. But when you're sensing at a higher plane and you're connected to God in a greater way, then you will be able to walk confidently along your way. So self-worth is the sense of one's own value. Each of us have equal value, but we have our own value. Our value is different. My personality is different. So what I offer to the table is different than what you may offer to the table. But I know my worth and I know that every joint supply. That's why I can never look at somebody unworthy of my time. And I walk, when I walk down the hallways of my school, it doesn't matter if a kid stops me in my tracks because I see uh, uh, the, their worth in God and I see their dignity that comes from the divine. I pay attention. So now I don't look down on other people or I don't look overly up to other people because everyone's worth is worth is in God. We're made in his image and in his likeness. But I have to know my own value because when I know my own value, I know where the joint supply. I know what I'm supposed to offer. I, that's why I tell people, don't try to offer what I offer. And I'm not going to try to offer what you offer. I'm going to enjoy the offerings and I want you to enjoy my offering. It says self-worth is the sense of one's own value or worth as a person. Our personhood, our, the value comes from God. Let's go to worthy. Worthy by definition is having adequate or great merit, character, or value. A person of imminent worth, merit, or position. Because of Christ's worth, the blood he shed for me now makes me worthy. Now makes me now where I can now have access to the father, where the veil has been torn. Now I can approach the throne of grace boldly. I don't need your I don't need your clearance. I don't need I can go to God myself. When you, but if you don't know the attribute of God, if you don't know that God loves you, that God wants to grow you and develop you. But if you uh, uh, attacked images or imagery towards God's identity based upon how your father treated you then you will misperceive God. But God said, get to know me for me. Don't get to know me based upon what other, other people say about me. Get to know me yourself so that you can know that you are worthy. Not in your own effort, but because of the, the, uh, the uh, work of Christ, my son, and he died for you to now have uh, uh, imputed righteousness and for you, for us to relate again, because now we sent the Holy Spirit to indwell you to, to, to show you how we can better relate, not only in sonship, but also in character. Let's keep going. Worthy is having adequate or great merit. Merit is worth. Character or value. Because of Christ's merit, because of Christ's character, because of Christ's value and the value of his blood, right? Now determines my worth, not my sacrifice. That's why you don't have to work for God's love. I never worked for God's love. We should never work for his love or work for his forgiveness. We should be working from it. I'm working from my love, my God's love for me. I'm working from his forgiveness. I'm not working for his love. That's sweat. 
I got, I'm now I'm sweating. Okay, God will do this if I do that. No, God does what he does. Not because of what I do, but because of his divine pleasure and his divine uh, um, um, wisdom. But I'm working from love. A girl who knows she's loved ain't going to settle for less. A man who knows he's loved ain't going to settle for less. The reason why we settle for less because we don't know what love is. But when you know love is a noun and love is a person, you'll let him love you. You should let him love you. Let him be the one to give you everything you want or need. Baby, you should let him love you. Let him be the one to, not everybody else. When you let him love you, his perfect love will cast out all fear. Everything that affects our esteem is rooted in fear. But when you allow the love of God to perfect you and give you confidence and erase those fears, then you can actually see beyond the peer. Now you can really see. You can really see life differently because you know that fear is not there. So I'm walking boldly from God's love. I'm walking because of his love for me. I'm not do, working for his forgiveness. If I do this, then he'll forgive me. No, no, no. I'm working from forgiveness. Keep going. Having adequate, uh, uh, having adequate or great merit, character or value, or personal eminent worth, merit or position. Because of Christ's position, I'm positioned. Because Christ is positioned at the right hand of the Father, I am now positioned as a son. I'm an heir and joint heir with Christ. Right? So now... I operate like a king's son. Now you operate like a king's daughter because your worth comes from him. Now, definition of self-love. Self-love by definition is proper regard for and attention to one's own happiness or well-being and appreciation of one's own worth. Self-love. When you have self-worth, you have self-love. When you have self-love, you have self-care. When you have self-care, you properly self-share. So self-love is the proper regard, understanding of, respect for, and attention to. Self-love is not just, oh, I know, I know who I am, but no, I pay attention to who I am. Self-love says, I know when I'm not really feeling myself. I know when I'm not my best self. I'm paying attention. Don't wait to pay attention. Pay attention now. Because when you pay attention now, the price is less. Then if you pay attention later, because when you pay attention later, now you add it in that unnecessary stress. But if you pay attention early, you'll pay less. So when I pay attention to myself, all right, Josh, this habit is going to end up having you paying this later. This thought pattern, this thought process is going to have you paying for this later. Change the way you think and change the way you're doing and pay attention now because the price of paying attention to myself now and making the changes won't cost me as much than if I allow that sin to come within and then it messes up the way I win. And then when I get to that place where I have came to myself, now I got to pay the price of unnecessary soul ties, unnecessary consequences, unnecessary stuff. That if I would have just only paid attention early on, the cost wouldn't have been much. So self-love says, I love myself so much that not only do I regard myself as worthy because of Christ, but I also understand that I got to stay in the worth. I got to stay in the payment. But unfortunately, most people are trying to pay their way versus trusting the way that has been paid and paved. So because the price has already been paid, now the road has been paved. Now I'm walking even as of now streets of gold. 
that's been laid out for me. Let your word be a, a light into my path, a lamp into my feet, and a light into my path. See what I'm saying? That's why it's important to say, hey, I'm going to pay attention on myself early on. So my payment won't have to be long. Let's keep going. Self-love is the proper regard for and attention to one's own happiness or well-being. We can take happiness out. We, we talk about joy, sustaining in the joy of God, sustaining in his joy, because that's what strengthens us. Happiness is based upon conditions. Joy is based on the condition that Christ paid for me. So now I have joy everlasting because nothing on this earth, no devil in hell can affect what God through Christ has already done. What the Godhead has already done, nothing down here can affect that. And also self-love is an, an appreciation of one's own worth. Because I appreciate what God has done for me, I now can appreciate the love that's working on me. Let's keep going. Hope y'all learning something. Let me know in the comments if y'all getting something, if y'all learning something. I don't, I don't see too many comments. I think um, I have to refresh this and maybe the comments are coming in. Or maybe I'll just taking notes. And thank you. We got 65 people watching. Thank you from between Facebook and YouTube. Thank y'all 66 now. We had to get the, the books of the Bible, 66. Thank you so much for watching. So like, like, share, get this out. And I appreciate you. It helps this channel grow and helps the seed sown in other people's hearts to help them. Next point. Self-care. Self-care, by definition, is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. Self-care is the practice of taking action to preserve, see that, preserve or improve one's own health. The practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, and particularly during periods of stress. That's the definition of self-care. Self-care says, I am taking the initiative. Because my worth comes from God, now the love of God is perfecting me, removing all the fear out of me. Now I'm getting into a place of self-love where I'm paying attention to myself in the love of God, in the worth of God that's keeping me operating at a higher plane, which is now causing me to be motivated, inspired to, compelled to self-care. You got to make self-care a practice. <clears throat> Hear me closely. Every Any day you don't care for yourself is a day wasted. You got to make it a practice to take action to preserve. We are supposed to be a salt of the earth. The Bible says if the salt loses saltiness, it's good for nothing but to be tossed on paths, to be walking and treaded upon under people's feet. But we were not meant to be walked on by the world. We were meant to preserve the world. We were not meant to be walked over. We were meant to be preserved. We were meant to preserve things over a period of time. So self-care is the price of taking action, thought action, life action to preserve, preserve my talents, preserve my time, preserve my giftings, preserve my anointing, preserve my focus, preserve my family, preserve myself. 
How can you care for a man if you're not caring for yourself? How can you properly care for a woman if you don't care for yourself? It is when we allow ourselves to be kept that we are able to keep. When we allow the love of God and the value of God and him who he, who, in, in his essence to keep us, then we're able to keep things. In order to keep, we must be kept, kept in the love of God, kept in the flow of God, kept in the purposes of God. Then that leads to us being preserved. The love of God is what gives life. Joy is what gives life. That's why you can't break a, a joyful spirit. But a broken spirit is like brittle bones. That's why disease is, is, is in the life of those who allow themselves to be distant from ease. Disease is dis-ease, distant, distancing myself from ease. Ease is in the presence of God. Ease is in the, in the peace of God. When you have the peace of God, that means you have the perspectives of God. Because when I have the perspective of God, my life becomes peaceful. Even in pressure, I'm at peace. Even in pain, I'm in peace because I got the mind of Christ. So I perceive correctly. Let's get back to the definition. The practice of taking action to preserve or improve. Now, not only do I preserve myself through the love of God because my worth is in God, now I'm able to improve my own health. See, the improvement of health is essential. See, I just can't allow myself to get fat. I just can't allow myself to get uh, um, caught up on what's, on what's uh, uh, in my past. I can't. I got to constantly improve. That's why I compare my life vertically, not horizontally. Because if I compare my life horizontally, I could become complacent. But when I compare my life to God, I know there's always room to improve. Not for his love, but so that I can adequately love. So that when I go out there, I can love my wife better. When I have kids, I can love them accurately because I'm in a constant state of improving. I have to improve daily. Even if you improve 0.001% today, that's better than not improving. But self-care says I must preserve. What are the things you need to preserve? Think about it. If you're single, married, whatever, what are the things that you want to have in your life? You got to ask yourself, how would I preserve that thing? Because if I'm not preserved, then that thing will only spoil, start smelling. Well, how do the things smell in your life? How do the things in your life smell? Does it smell spoiled or does it smell seasoned? When you smell your life, when you smell your business, when you smell your ministry, when you smell uh, uh, um, um, the things that's connected to you, does it smell fresh or does it smell spoiled? So when you smell, when you when things spoil is when it's not being preserved. But when it's being preserved, when you smell it, it smells fresh. So when when you, when 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 God gets a whiff of your life, or when you take a whiff of your life, what do you smell? Is it an odor or is it a fragrance? When you smell your life, it's based upon self-care. If I walk out this house and to go to work and I don't bathe and I don't brush my teeth, right? I don't, I don't, I don't care about the way I smell, then how can I draw things? If I don't care for myself and wash all important parts and brush my teeth and put on deodorant, put on cologne, put on washed good smelling clothes, then when I walk in this world, people are going to be repelled from me versus being compelled to me. How does your life smell? Does it smell 
uh, uh, spoiled or doesn't smell fresh. Now, self-care is the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. The practice of taking an active role. God plays a part and you play a part. Please understand that. You play a part, God plays a part. God's part is, of course, bigger than our part, but it, whenever you watch a movie, yeah, God may have the main role, but I also play a role too. I don't care if I only have three lines. My three lines are poignant. <laughs> My three lines are important. All right? So the practice of taking an active role, not just a, all right, but an active role in one's own well-being and joy or happiness, in particular during periods of stress. That means even in stressful season, you got to care the more, the more, the more, the more. Let's keep going. Hope y'all learning something. I pray y'all learning something. Uh-oh. Did I, uh... Oh, self-share. Oh, oh, my bad. Self-share. Self-share is the proper distribution of one's own energy and resources or time. A product delivered after one's self-care. That's powerful. Self-share, God gave me this today. The proper distribution of one's own energy, resource, and time. The proper distribution. How you share yourself is, to, is predicated on how you care for yourself. And how you care for yourself is based upon how much you allow God to love you. Right? So self-worth, let's go back. Self-worth leads to self-love. Now I start to love myself. Because I see myself in the worst of God, not the worst of created things. Now I see my worth in God. My worth is in God. Therefore, now I choose to love myself. I choose to take care of myself. And in that process, now I share appropriately. It is the proper distribution of like just be, not listen, understand this. Not everyone deserves access to your love. But oh no, no. Not everyone deserves access to your heart. But everyone deserves some access to your love. Your love is in levels. Love should be distributed in levels. Not everybody's going to get what my wife gets. Not everybody's going to get what my kids get. Not everybody's going to get what, 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 what is under my jurisdiction, up under my stewardship. Those things have my heart. I know the difference between who I give my heart to and who I give my love to. You see this shirt? There's a lot. Oh, there's a lot. Uh oh, there's a lot on this heart. My, my heart is, is too fragile to let everyone hold it. Your heart is too fragile to let anyone hold it. Let God hold your heart and then let him determine who gets access to your heart. But everyone deserves some access to my love. Love can be a hello. Love can be a smile. Love can be uh, telling someone that it'd be worth the while. My love can be a lot of different things. It could be giving a sandwich. It can be giving food. It can be giving a hug. It can be giving an encouraging word. That's love. But my heart is Joshua. I can't just give my heart to everybody because whoever you give your heart has the power to tear it apart. But if they don't got, but 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 we got to make sure that we only let people have our part, have our heart, who plays a part in our life that God has casted to play a part in the roles of our lives. We just not should be casting people to play roles in our lives. We should allow God to say, this person is the only type of people who should play a part in your life at the, at the level to the, for the heart of your life. But unfortunately, we be allowing everybody access to our heart and we confuse love. There's levels to this. There's access levels. There's levels to your love. Levels to your love. And you got to distribute it accordingly. 
That's right. Jessica King says, whoever has your heart can tear it apart. And the one who has your heart, who is God, when God has your heart, things are not falling out of place. They're falling into peace. When you allow God to have your heart, he pieces everything together. That's why self-share. We share ourselves before we have self-care. We share ourselves before we even love ourselves. And now when a woman has self-hate, now she's offering her benefits and a man ain't even met God's requirements. That's why I tell people, you got to treat yourself like a Fortune 500 company. You got to treat yourself like a billion dollar company. You, just because uh, uh, um, you're, because when a person, when a business know their worth, they do, they, they do interviews before they allow people to view in. You got to give people interviews before you allow people to view in. Don't let everybody view in your life and view your benefits and see your benefits. And you ain't even had no interview yet. The thing is, you're not even wise enough to do the interviews. I talked about this in my book, in the Purpose Singleness. You're not even wise enough to do the interviews. The Holy Spirit should do interviews. I let God do the interviews. I let him interview the people. Because he always has, he has the interview. He has the interview. I let him interview because he has the interview. When, when you allow God to discern, you know that I let him interview people because he has the interview. He knows a person more than I know them. Therefore, I let him do the auditing and determine who my friends are. You and I are not wise enough to select our friends, to select our husbands, to select our wives, to select our children's names. We're not wise enough. So we got to give the one who has an interview to do the interview before we give our benefits and allow people to view in. So you got to treat your benefits like they're valuable. When you know that you uh, uh, benefit, it's hard to know you benefit when you've been in fits. When you've been in fits and you're frustrated about life, you start squandering your benefits because you keep finding yourself in fits. But when you know that you benefit and that you are worth something, then you know, hey, man, hey, man, we got to do an exhaustive interview of you. Because my benefits, ladies, your body, men, your money, men, your body, women, your money, your time, your everything, those are benefits. And you allowing uh, 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 Slick Rick and, and, and Crazy Kim to come into your life and they don't even know how to live theirs. Don't let no one in your life, if they don't know how to live their own, if they don't even know their own life and don't have life more abundantly, I'm not going to allow yourself to be attached to my life. So we got to start interviewing, allow the Holy Spirit to interview and allow God to determine their requirements. You got to let him, he, if a man is not living off of God's requirements, then he, you will be easily released. If a man causes you or a woman uh, compels you to compromise God, then they won't be in your life alone. Simple as that. You want a man who's rooted in the convictions of God, a woman who's rooted that even though they may want to do stuff with you, even if they want to, like, we ain't stupid. We want to do certain things, but it's our reverence of God that restrains us. If that man wants to get you in his bedroom before he got you to the altar, that rule, that man, you should not never make no room for that man and vice versa. Your benefits are valuable. Your body is valuable. Your mind is valuable. Your time is valuable. Your assets are valuable. And you got to treat them as such. And you got to treat yourself like a Fortune 500 company and say, hey, we're going to do an exhaustive interview of you. And I'm allowed the one who has the interview of you do the interview and let him see what's in you and show me whether or not you're supposed to be a part of my life. But when you don't know your worth, when you don't know your value, you will start sharing yourself prematurely. Let's keep going. Now, next point. 
Uh, oh, that's from last week. I didn't mention time. Now, next point here. Our awareness of worth leads to our appreciation of worth, which will lead to the proper allotment of our worth or the sharing of our worth. Our awareness of worth leads to our appreciation of worth, which will lead to the proper allotment or share. We're now concluding this discussion now. Oh, no, we're not. Did I add the other points? I sure didn't add the other points. All right, anyway, self, uh, our awareness of worth leads to our appreciation of worth, which will lead to the proper allotment of worth. Your self-confidence is determined by who you confide in the most. Look at the word confidence right there. C-O-N-F-I-D-E, confide, confide. Your confidence is determined by who you confide in the most because who you confide in the most will be the one to boost, will, will be able to increase your worth. When I confide in God, now my confidence is in God. I confide. God, come find to confide. I got to find God. I got to confide in him. So my confidence will be in him. Now I can vent to him. And I know he's my source because he's been there during my tough times. Now, give me one second. Let me let me put these notes in here real quick. I forgot to add how to build yourself worth. I can't believe I forgot to add that. Let me add a slide real quick. So I can uh, make sure that um, let me add the slide real quick so we can get these notes. I totally forgot to add these uh, duplicate side. OK, give me one second. All right, as simple as this paste without. OK. All right, cut that. Change that. Oh, that don't even look good. Oh, give me one second. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I promise. How to build. Uh, B-U-I-L-D, how to build. All right, let's keep it like that. All right, so let me fix this real quick so I can get these points, get your notes ready. Let me know in the comments what you're getting from this. Share this. It's a good time to share because we're going to talk about how do we build our self-worth and self-confidence. And then I might not have time for questions because we're getting late. But either way, I might answer a couple of questions. Uh-oh. Thank y'all for y'all's patience. Uh, okay, almost there. Uh oh, get these real quick. All right, here we go. Uh, let me get myself together. Thank y'all so much for listening, for sharing, for commenting. It's an honor to serve you all like this. Let me share the screen. God is good, man. Oh, here we go. All right. How to build. Oh, how to build our self-confidence. That's what I'm trying to say. How to build, B-U-I-L-D. That's how you spell build? Yeah. How to build your self-confidence in God. Number one. B, get to know the builder and build with him. How you build your self-confidence your self-esteem is to get to know the builder and build with him, get to know him. The reason why we feel worthless and not worthy of God and worthy of time with him is because we don't know him. When you, when you put uh, 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 experiences with man or experience with people and stamp it onto his character, then of course you're not going to run to him. No matter if you did have a good dad, he, God is 20 billion times, that's not a, that's not a figure. Whatever the infinity figure is time that by affinity, God is still better, right? But when you go to the builder, now you can be built. 
Now your confidence can be built. Now your self-esteem can be built. You got to go to the builder. No, your mama didn't build you. Your, your, the thing is, whoever you allow to build you will be the one that will tear you down. The one you allow to build you will be the one that will break you. The one you allow to build you up will be the one that break you down. That's why you got to let God build you up because no matter what they throw at your building, it won't come down. No matter if there are wolves in your life trying to blow your house down, it won't blow down because you're built by God. Created by God, but we have to be rebuilt by God because there's been some holes in the foundation. And so when we allow God to rebuild us, then our self-esteem naturally builds up and then build with him. Fellowship is essential. Fellowship, fellowship is essential. I got to build with him. My self-esteem is, is always up. My confidence is always up because I'm working with Christ. I'm confiding. Therefore, my confidence, I'm confiding. My confidence, confidence, confiding. I'm going back and forth and I'm building with him. I'm, when I do mess like this, man, I, that's why I can talk boldly. I can talk confidently. I don't got to compare myself to other preachers. I don't got to worry about how eloquent my speech was. I know who I confide in. I know who my confidence is in. I know who built this. I know who built this man. I know who built me. People talking about, you know, they say built for tough. I'm built God tough. God Teflon. See what I'm saying? That tough. Because he built me. And even when I feel weak, I confide. Therefore, my confidence builds. And then that's why I told these young, I told the young people in my school, I, I only got my books here. I got my books at the school. I said, my first book soaked my pain. When I was younger, man, 21, 22, when I first got the idea to write my book, I was going through a very depressing season, very depressed. I, I, I was out of Oral Roberts University. I was back home, my mother's um, um, uh, house. And um, but that week, that year before I went home, my ministry was blowing up. You could watch the videos from the beginning. I was I busted. It's crazy how I didn't even know I was going to have a youth ministry like this and counseling youth and working in the high school while helping adults. Uh, but that was my first interest in ministry. And then I, I had all this great success. But then God began to see that I was being overly impressed by my success. And I started identifying myself with it. And then I was removed immediately, slammed right into my mother's house. And that's why I told you all in previous videos, there's no pain greater than you being ripped from your idol. So I was in my mom's living room in pain because God ripped me from my idol. And I'm sitting in the living room with my mom. And, 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 and there ain't nothing sexy about being in your mama's house. And so then I was at my mom's house. And then and then I was like, God, I don't want to live anymore. That's what idolatry does. When you identify yourself with anything else by God or you allow anything else to build you more than God, then those things will break you down. And I was down to the ground. If you watch my early videos, I was skinty, not skinny, skinty, skinty, skinny, skinty. Down to the skin of my teeth. No, I'm, joking. I'm, I'm, I'm rapping a little bit too much now. Let me wrap this up. And then God, I was like, God, I don't, what do I do? I'm hurting. And God said, write a book. I said, no, nah, take the pain away. He said, no, nah, here's, do this, do this. And then over time, when I was writing, your purpose as a way of being therapeutic is what I'm trying to say. For time, let's keep going. How to build, uh, how to build, get to know the builder and build with him. You better understand yourself and your value to the world. How you build self-esteem after you knew you've been built by God, better understand yourself. So you can be like, Wow. I'm more confident now because I know uh, uh, I know and whose I am and I know what he wants me to do. 
Purpose has a way. Understanding who you are, understanding your personality. That's why I would tell people go to 16personalities.com. Get to know yourself. You don't idolize these tools, but use these tools for better understanding of you. Right? Better understand and then value and understand your value to the world. <clears throat> when I was at dorm room, and even now, I'm sustained by God always telling me, What about them, Josh? What about them? What about them? What about them? Josh, keep going because they need you. They need the God in you. They need me to work through you, Josh. Stay with it. Stay confident in me. Stay with it because I got something you, I need something for you to do. I got something to do. That's what happens. When you better understand yourself and you know your value to the world, your worth stands up because you're valuable to somebody. I know that what keeps me going is that I'm valuable to my wife. I keep going. I keep going no matter the tough days. I'm valuable. I'm too valuable to eat 10 honey buns. I'm too valuable to eat 20 chicken wings. I'm too valuable not to care for my health, not to care for my mind. I'm too valuable to be intertwined with things that's not worth my time. When you know you're valuable, you walk with value. I'm valuable to God. That I don't get it twisted. That don't mean God needs me. So I'm, I'm valuable. I'm an asset. I want to be more of an asset than a liability. I'm valuable to God. I'm valuable to myself. I'm valuable to you all. But I can't get into self-hate and self-harm and I get into depression. That Now I'm in depression. Now I can't even make a good impression because I'm so stuck in depression. But when I better understand myself and my value to the world, you start seeing your confidence build. Number three, I got to investigate and challenge inaccurate thoughts and remove them immediately. I forgot immediately. How to build yourself confidence in Christ and build yourself confidence into the world. You got to investigate and challenge inaccurate thoughts and remove them immediately. The Bible says, cast down vain imaginations and every thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I told y'all in many videos, two highways to your life. There's the highway that's in one ear, out the other. That's the main road. That's 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 the that's the uh, fast lane. The other lane is in the ear, down to the heart. Never allow everything to make a left turn into your heart. Some things you gotta allow, and it gets stuck here. Process the thought, captive. Hold it captive. No, I thought, uh, uh, you stay right there, buddy. Do you have do you do you have proper ID? <laughs> Let me see your ID, thought. Let me see who you identify with, thought. No, no, no. When that thought comes in, investigate it. Okay, where are you from, buddy? Why are you driving around late at night? <laughs> Why them late night thoughts? Why are you driving around late tonight, sir? Let me see some ID. Let the Holy Spirit investigate. Let me see some ID. And see what that dot identifies itself with. If it if it identifies itself with the world, identifies itself with the demonic, boop, boop, nah, -uh, bah, yeah, tied up. Hey man, I, I was just, I was just, I was just, nah, 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 I thought you put the cuffs on him. Hey man, I was just trying to, I was just trying to, you know, uh, get you to think like this. I wasn't trying to do no that much harm. Nah, get out of my mind, bruh. Because my soul is soil. And thoughts are seed, seeds, and thinking is rain. And when you overly think on a thought that's been planted in your life and you think on it, it then grows into a tree. And then when it grows into a tree, it grows into a stronghold. So all these inaccurate thoughts you allow to go in your mind without investigation, without interrogation. 
And now you allow those things come planting inside your heart. And now you start thinking all those different things. It's crazy how many people come to me and talk about, I feel worthless. I feel useless. And then after communicating with me and seeing the revelation behind it, now they got this joy out of nowhere. I said, but but if you kept thinking about that, suicide is inevitable. Depression is inevitable. You got to say, nah, fam, who is you? Who sent you? And if that thought doesn't line up with God's word, that's why the Bible says, cast down vain imagination, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Your level of knowledge of God will determine how much of God you operate in. And I'm, I'm glad you got freed, <clears throat> my sister. But you have to say, hold up. But that's why the devil don't want you in your Bible. That's why your Bible's collecting dust and your soul is in rust. You see what I'm saying? Your soul is rusting away because your Bible is dusting away. But when you get into that word and you know God and you know in whom you believe and you know why you believe it and you know it's factually true through apologetics. Then when those thoughts come in, hey, buddy, get out of my brain, buddy. Get on longer away, buddy. Get out of here. Then you start doing that. But if you know only but this much of God, the devil's going to throw this high. The devil don't got to throw that high. He just said, all I got to throw is a little bit over your knowledge of God. Your knowledge of God's right here. I'm going to just throw a thought this high. Did God really say? If they knew God, they would have been in the cool of the day. If they knew God, they would have been like, uh-uh. I know what God said, but I know God. I don't care about knowing what he said. I care, I do care about knowing what he said, but I know what he said based upon because I know him. When I know him, I have confidence in what he says. But if you don't read, how will you know what seed to allow in your life? The devil's going to try to exalt these thoughts high. He's going to try to exalt them high. Hit him high, hit him high, hit him high, hit him high. He don't hit him low. He hit you high. Hit him 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 low. Hit him low. Hit him low. Hit him low. That's what he want to do. I I throw it high. I throw it high. I throw it high so I can hit him low. Hit him low. Hit him low. And all of a sudden now you don't even know who you are anymore. So you got to investigate and challenge inaccurate thoughts and remove them immediately because thinking is choice. Thoughts come unaware, family. Thoughts may come unaware, but thinking is a choice. When you choose to think on something that's not of God, that's a sin. How can you win when you're thinking on sin? When you're thinking on all these different things and what happened when and, and all these different things, you got to say, no, that's not of God. You get out because when you understand the power of something, you, you reverence, you, you respect that thing. I know thoughts are powerful. Therefore, I respect them. I respect thoughts because they're too powerful. Thoughts are like seeds. Thinking is like rain. Your soul is like soil. Your that seed, if it gets the right amount of rain, it will grow into a tree. And when it grows big enough, it becomes a stronghold. And a stronghold is something that holds you strongly from pursuing the things of your life boldly. Ale. You got to practice self-love and let go of things and people who obviously don't love you. How to build your self-esteem, build your self-confidence. You got to practice self-love. You got to put it in action, like we said before. And the next thing, you got to let go of things and people who you know don't love you, man. When you begin to love yourself, you begin to recognize who love you or not. i tell you that right now. Oh, I know if you love me because I love myself. Because when I love myself, I know when you're trying to use me. I know that little slickster stuff. I know that kind of stuff. That's right. Strongholds keep you bondage. And D, dive into your purpose. Get into your purpose. Dive in it. 
How to build your self-confidence? Get to know the builder and build with him. You better understand yourself and your value to the world. I investigate and challenge inaccurate thoughts and remove them. L, practice self-love and let go of things that people who obviously don't love you. And D, dive into your purpose. I pray this message was a blessing to you. You got something from it. My wife is coming home soon. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to answer any questions. I want to make sure I, I, uh, I serve my wife and, and, and whatever she needs and and because I know she had a long day. But I pray this uh, video was a blessing. This podcast was a blessing. Those who's listening, uh, make sure you check out my website, IamUnplugged.com, for all um, resources and tools, books, and card games, uh, and uh, all of the stuff. I got a lot of resources there. IamUnplugged.com. Check that out. Uh, learn more about what I do. Make sure you go to LifeWork.Teachable.com to download today's worksheet. The link will be in the comment section of the description box below after this video ends, of course. But for those who watch it later, you, you, you probably have already seen it by now because I have an activity that comes with it. Activities are simple. Uh, where is your self-confidence esteem or worth at the moment? Scale of one to 10. Why that number? What is or what is or has affected your self-worth? A lot of great questions to help you process and overcome. So that's at lifework.teachable.com. Also, make sure you check out all of the books that I have on my website. Uh, here we go. Here's most of my books. I've written seven books so far. The most recent one is Counterfeit or Counterpart, How to Continuously Discern the Will of God in Your Life. The main book for this course is The Purpose of Singleness. These, these courses uh, work with that book. I released this book maybe four or five years ago, but it's my number one selling book and it's powerful. So check that book out, The Purpose of Singleness. I got a book also called Dating Prep, How to Date Yourself, How to Date God, Date Yourself and Love Your Life Forever and How to Become Dateable. So get that book on my website as well. If you got soul ties or strongholds, this book, The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties to Uproot Stronghold is a great book and it will kind of help you with that eye point when it comes to casting down vain imaginations. Uh, what else do I have? Make sure you check out the Patreon, the For Doers Only Patreon. That Patreon is now available. Uh, link in the description box below. All you got to do is go to uh, patreon.com and type in Joshua Ezzy. If you want life coaching of any kind, you can be able to, uh, uh, there's an $8 tier, there's a $25 tier, $35 tier, $50 tier. And the higher you go, the more access to coach you have. But I do a, a Zoom call every Saturday at 2. I do a Zoom call every Saturday at 2 where you get person-to-person -person intimate um, conversation with me in regards to your purpose. And you can ask questions. You get face-to-face -face with me. And if you want more exclusive um life coach and talk to me a little bit more with it in regards to time and all that kind of stuff. So check out the Patreon there. I think that's it. Let me see any comments at the bottom. You're so welcome. God bless you. Bless you, uh, Angela. Coach, my church is enjoying your study. Thank you so much. You're so blessed. Tell your people, thank you for watching. I pray they're blessed by and send them my love. Um, that's right. Home ministry first. Home, that's my first ministry to God, ministry to self, ministry to family, ministry to everyone else. God bless you too. Uh, thank you for so to see all those who give too. Thank y'all. Y'all are some generous people. Thank you all so much for those. And I'm going to try to email you all. My goal is to try to email all those who give. And, and, and I just get uh, uh, so many emails, but my goal is to show you my appreciation through a thank you. So those who give financially, thank you. You can support our mentoring program right now. In my school, my mentor program was for children, elementary kids, but now I'm in the middle school, high school. Your funds, your support helps me, uh, uh, um, kids who want to become entrepreneurs, kids who want to develop their own brands. You guys help me to be able to get their ideas off the ground, support them, with, whether it's through their own merch, 
providing their own merch, uh, helping them develop their books and publishing it right now. I got two students that are working on books right now. I have uh, three students who's working on their uh, personal um, branding and ministries, uh, and it's just growing. Now we're getting more kids in, and y'all support helps us so that I'm not a, so that this program is not overly a burden to the to the private school that I work in because that's school that I used to go to, as well as not a burden going to the kids, but they get to really engage and just your giving supports what I do here and really just helps me create my resources like books. Like I'm, my goal, I'm writing a couple of books now, creating card games and y'all support helps me create those things in mass so that we can bless other people. Uh, so thank y'all so much for however you support, whether it's through sharing, through liking, through subscribing, through giving, through getting books, through getting t-shirts, whatever it is. Thank you so much. And I love you all. Y'all be blessed. And I'll see y'all next time. Peace.